0: Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues.
1: Racism in the South Carolina tragedy. Why did left-wing extremist Dylan Roof hate Christians enough to kill them in church during a prayer meeting? We interview Bishop E.W. Jackson, who has some interesting things to say about race and the anti-Christian bias.
0: Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name.
1: Today we have a special guest from Chesapeake, Virginia, Bishop E.W. Jackson, who is the president of Stand USA. It's a activist Christian ministry and he was also the Republican nominee for Lieutenant Governor in Virginia. Bishop Jackson, welcome to the program.
2: Thanks for having me, Chaplain.
1: Sir, you and I go way back. Uh, We have campaigned together uh, in, in various places, but Talk a little bit about the horrific shooting in Charleston, South Carolina. Dylan Roof is now, obviously he has racist motives, but he also chose to attack a church meeting during prayer at the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Uh, What is your initial reaction?
2: Well, first of all, of course, our hearts go out to that church, to those family members, uh, to that community, because this is a devastating thing that's happened. And of course, we're all hurting over it because nine innocent people sitting in church, gunned down in cold blood. It's a terrible tragedy. Uh, and of course, uh, Dylan was motivated by race. He, that's clear from everything that's been found. But it's also clear, and this has created a lot of controversy among people who have heard me say this, it's also clear he didn't go to a basketball court, he didn't go to a bowling alley, he didn't go to a bar or a nightclub, he didn't go to a supermarket, he went into a church. And I think that spiritually, this is clearly another attack on Christians and Christianity uh, that we also have to address because churches are extremely vulnerable to these kinds of attacks and frankly, Chaplin, there's increasing hostility against Christians because of the biblical positions that we're taking in this sort of post-Christian world that we're starting to live in and we're starting to experience in our country. Well, clearly this young man, Dylan
1: Roof, who I don't have any sympathy for, I think uh, was not just racist, I think he was demon-possessed. Anyone looking at his actions can say there might have been a spiritual element to his thought process, why do you think, and it was reported that he went in and prayed with his victims for an hour and then went out to the car and got a gun and, and came back into the church. What are, what's the spiritual ramification or what do you see inside of this young man?
2: Well, look, as Christians, we know that the scripture teaches us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly or high places. And so clearly this was a demonic spiritual act, uh, an attack on people in prayer, in Bible study, in a, in a, a sacred sanctuary. Uh, this clearly got spiritual dimensions. Now, I know that the mainstream media is not good at addressing that because many of them don't understand it. But we as Christians understand that there's more behind this than just a human being going in and attacking other human beings because of their race. The fact that he did it in a church, we know is a satanic or demonic act.
1: Yes, and we saw a picture of him on the beach where he wrote uh, some Nazi symbols, 1488, uh, which may symbolize the 14 words, uh, I don't even know what they are, and, and Heil Hitler. But this man with Nazi or Honestly, socialist leanings is is also now being described as anti-Jewish and anti-Hispanic. Uh, is this a right-wing philosophy or a left-wing philosophy?
2: Well, you know, people fail to understand that Hitler was not a right-wing person. He was not a conservative. Hitler was a socialist. Uh, he believed that all of Germany belonged to the state, including its children. Uh, that is not a right-wing idea. It's not a conservative idea. That's a left-wing idea. That's very much akin to communism and socialism. Uh, And So when people see these symbols and they want to somehow associate it with conservative, they're completely wrong because that's simply not the history of socialism, which is exactly what Hitler called his party, the National Socialist Party. Uh, look, all of these extreme ideologies that have the state taking over people's lives and controlling their lives and determining who lives and who dies and who's worthy and who's not, all of that is a very dangerous ideology. And unfortunately, we have a very strong left-wing cabal in this country uh, that are really extreme statists who want the state to control everything. And, uh, and it's a very dangerous place to go. Well, that's
1: disturbing. Uh, we also know that... The man did have, and cannot truly, I believe, be identified as a Christian, although he went in there and deceived the people by praying with them. The Bible says in 1 John 4, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Uh, whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they have not seen, and God has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. So. If he were a Christian, he would love his brother or sister because he is not a Christian, he hates people of different race or different uh, you know, ethnicity. Talk for a minute about the gospel
2: of Jesus Christ. Is there a difference between love and hate? You know, Chaplain, I've had people say some very nasty things about me because I didn't immediately jump to a racial motive behind this. Now, I admit it was racist, but my first thought was he attacked a church People became incensed by that. The fact that I wouldn't attribute it solely and only to race was enough to seem to just drive people up the wall. And they said very nasty things about me. In return, I said to them, God bless you. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm not gonna call you names. And why do I respond that way? Because I'm a Christian. Because we're not allowed to hate people. Uh, Because the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's why those Christians in Emmanuel Church forgave Dylan before he even was tried, found guilty. They said, look, we forgive you, you know, repent and give your life to Jesus Christ and he will forgive you and cleanse you of your sin. And that doesn't mean he, he doesn't have to pay for it. Obviously he does have to pay for it in this world, but even a heinous act like that, God will forgive and save his, his eternal soul. So yeah, the gospel of Jesus Christ is central chaps to everything this country is about that's where freedom comes from that's where commitment to loving and caring about our neighbors comes from Uh, and for some reason we've got a group of people who just want to marginalize and minimize and basically delegitimize the church and it's and christianity and it's one of the biggest mistakes anybody would ever make if they want america to remain the free constitutional republic that we've been You know, the nine victims that were
1: there in that prayer meeting led by a pastor who is also, uh, I'm told, a state representative, I'm just willing to bet, and we're gonna take a short break here, but I'm just speculating that when they saw this man came into that meeting, I bet they prayed for him during that hour before they died. So let's take a short break. When we come back, I'll have Bishop E.W. Jackson talking about the Second Amendment in church.
2: This is PIJN News. Defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back.
1: How can you discern the thoughts in your own mind from the thoughts that come to you from the Holy Spirit, or from angels, or from invisible demons? I'm Dr. Chaps, and you've seen us on this show talk about the gift of discerning of spirits. Maybe you know that I wrote my PhD dissertation entitled, How to See the Holy Spirit and Angels and Demons. And it's all about this important topic of receiving the gift of discerning of spirits. How can you discern the thoughts that come to you? How do you know to learn to hear the voice of God and discern that from the demonic voice which tempts us to sin? Well, this is an important skill and it will change your ministry. It'll change your life which is why we've created now not just a book, but a 17-part video Bible study on a four-disc DVD set that we would like to send to you and your church and your family and your small group. This important Bible study series goes through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How did Jesus discern the spirits? How did the Apostle Paul discern the spirits? What does the Old Testament say about demons and the Holy Spirit and angels? When you learn to discern, it will transform your life and your ministry. Please visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org and get this important video resource. Or call us toll-free at 866-ObeyGod. And for a suggested donation of $99, we'll give you the entire 17-part Bible study series for just $99. And if you order today, we'll throw in the book for free. Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org or call us toll-free at 866-Obey-God. Get this important Bible study series for your family. Call today.
0: Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps.
1: Welcome back and God bless you in Jesus' name. I'm Chaplain Schmidt. I'm joined again by my dear friend, Bishop E.W. Jackson live via Skype from Chesapeake, Virginia. Welcome back to the program, sir.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So I saw a report. I didn't hear the president's speech, but President Obama immediately expressed sympathy for the victims of this tragedy, as did all of the Republican presidential candidates that I saw when I was in Washington, D.C. this weekend at the Faith and Freedom Coalition. But President Obama did something unusual, I think, that. He referred to gun control and said, you know, blamed America, perhaps indirectly blamed the Second Amendment of the Constitution, saying they don't have these problems in other countries. It's only because in America we allow people to carry guns. What do you think?
2: Well, first of all, that's a lie. Uh, Other countries do have these problems. All one has to do is Google it and you will find these kinds of killings go on in other places. Now they get much more attention when they happen in the United States of America because that's the narrative. We are one of the largest countries in the world, so population plays a role in this too. But the thing that troubles me most is it's a typical knee-jerk status reaction. As soon as something like this happens, instead of somebody like the president thinking, wouldn't it have been great if somebody in that church had been armed and capable of defending their people, he goes to, we just have too many guns. Well, I don't know when liberals are going to understand this you are never going to get guns out of the hands of criminals. You will only get them out of the hands of law-abiding citizens who will basically obey the law. And if if the state tries to disarm them, many will say, well, gee, okay, that's the law of the land. I want to be obedient to the law. But the criminal will never do that. And the moment you do that, Chaplain, the moment you do that, you put a big fat target on every American's back that says, don't worry, there won't be any resistance because we're the only ones who've got guns. I mean, I think it's just utterly ridiculous, and it's just time for the left to just, just quit. We have a Second Amendment that guarantees us the right to bear and keep arms, to keep and bear arms. And, and the fact of the matter is we are not going to allow some cockamamie interpretation of the Constitution or some far-left mayors or governors to disarm the American people. We're not gonna have it, it's a fundamental right that we have as American citizens and we intend to preserve it. Now you're the pastor,
1: uh, actually the bishop over uh, a handful of churches. Now your church in Chesapeake, the called church, uh, what are you encouraging when people gather together in groups, should you have uh, maybe a citizen security guard?
2: Absolutely, there's no question about it, in fact, Uh, I run a network of ministers called Ministers Taking a Stand. We have representation in 20 states across the country. And we had an emergency meeting after this situation that happened in Charleston. Uh, One of those ministers, uh, Dr. Leon Threet, pastors in Charlotte, North Carolina, is a former police officer. And he said to me, look, we've had a protocol in place for years uh, in which we we have code words to use. Some of the people in our church are, are concealed carry they're part of our security team they don't brandish their weapons obviously they're not out in the open but they are ready in the event something happens i mean this is common sense we we, we're talking about doing it in schools we're talking about doing it in in other places of, of public accommodation why in the world would we think that the church here again should have a great big sign on front in front of it that says you know don't worry no resistance here if you want to come in and kill people just come right on in because we'll make sure that everybody is unarmed and incapable of fighting back I mean that's that's insane so yes I'm encouraging pastors establish a security protocol in your church and that likely means having at least some trusted people who are concealed carry during the worship service and during church activities. Absolutely, makes perfect sense to me. And by the way, I think that's exactly what Jesus would want us to do because Jesus told the disciples in the Gospel of Luke, he said, he that does not have a sword, sell what you have and buy one.
1: Well, that's an interesting biblical defense. I I happen to know from experience as a, you know, over 20 year member of New Life Church here in Colorado Springs, that we had a horrific shooting in our church uh, must've been about 10 years ago now. And there were two people killed by a madman, a demon possessed man came into the church with a gun to begin to shoot people. He had a thousand rounds, could have killed hundreds of people, except that we had concealed carry citizens and security guards who shot back and stopped him. And he was only able to kill two people when he intended on doing much more damage. Uh, here in Colorado Springs, we know that churches need to be able to defend themselves and we encourage, as you did, pastors who, who uh, I guess, provide that extra security.
2: Amen. And, and look, we are responsible for the people that God has placed in our care. And so to suggest that, I mean, so if somebody came into my house to attack my family, I'm not supposed to fight back. Of course I am, I'm supposed to be ready to meet whatever force they bring against us. I've got to try to save my wife. If I have children at home, save my children. Well, the church is a family. And the pastor, in a sense, is the patriarch of that family. He is responsible for making sure that that flock is secure and safe when they come into worship, that if anything happens, He, with his team, is capable of defending God's people and preserving their lives. I mean, anybody who doesn't understand that, I heard some guy come on television uh, in response to my remarks and say, oh, well, Jesus was a pacifist. Jesus was not a pacifist. That is theological malpractice to even suggest that.
1: Well, you're right. He led, I suppose, a spiritual revolution. And we're going to take another short break here. But when we come back, I want you to maybe have some inspiring and healing words to bridge the anti-Christian divide or the race divide. Uh, And maybe we'll have a word of prayer with Bishop Jackson after this short break.
0: Giving you a megaphone in Washington, D.C. Dr. Chaps will be right back. Do you care about
1: defending the Constitution? Sign a petition today to defend your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. You know, left-wing crazies go on these shooting sprees But then the Democrats, like Joseph Biden, are using this as a pretext to take guns away from law-abiding citizens. Can you believe they literally wanna publish the mental health records of military veterans so that they don't pass background checks so they can't exercise their rights when they come home? Senator Harry Reid, the leader, changed the filibuster rules, why? So he could stack the courts with gun-grabbing judges. Here are three of President's Obama's nominees, Pillard, Millett, and Wilkins, couldn't get confirmed, but now they're on the court, and they're allowing the DC police to fingerprint all law-abiding gun owners? That's not right. Sign a petition today. Defend your Second Amendment rights. Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. Do you care about defending the Second Amendment? Are the Democrats trying to seize your guns? Sign a petition today at PrayInJesusName.org. Democrat Senator, Dianne Feinstein, actually believes that stickers on windows and gun-free zones are gonna make your life saver? That's really not true. Uh, We also know that Congresswoman Diane DeGette has confused magazines with bullets and is trying to ban both of those with these stricter gun control laws. But the Colorado sheriffs believe this is unconstitutional. And, And not only that, it's unsafe. A recent Harvard study shows that more guns actually results in less murders and less violence. And look what happened in England. Violence there soared after they banned guns, but here in America, violence dropped by 30% with more gun buying. Why why is the government the only ones allowed to have billions of rounds of ammunition? I think we should defend your constitutional rights. Sign a petition today at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.
2: He is the intersection of church and state. Here is Dr. Chaps.
1: Welcome back. We're joined for our final segment again by Bishop E.W. Jackson. Bishop Jackson, there is a difference between, uh, I suppose, morality and race. As far as uh, what Jesus commanded, I think we are to love our brother. And when, when people are born of different colors or different uh, you know nationalities. We are to love them without apology and, and boldly show the love and compassion for Christ. And yet, that's different than immorality, which you know. There's this whole tolerance movement in America. Can you briefly distinguish sins which we are not to tolerate from you know race which we are obviously to love
2: and embrace? Well, people don't understand that Bible-believing Christians adhere to the Word of God as the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. And our primary identification is with Jesus Christ. It is not with race. It is not even with family. I love my family very dearly. But my first obligation, loyalty, commitment, is to my Lord and Savior who died on the cross for my sins. And my orientation is His. And therefore, this idea that because a person's skin color is the same as mine, that that is automatically my brother, well, that's not true. Now, I love that person as a human being that God created and has a plan for, but my brothers and sisters are those who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and savior. And my first obligation is to the family of God, regardless of what their race, color, background, nationality might be. And a lot of people don't seem to understand that. And therefore, when people offer up in the name of civil rights, things like, well, we did have to have same-sex marriage because after all, this is a civil rights matter. And I've had people say to me, and Bishop Jackson, you as a black man ought to understand that better than most. Well, it's not a civil rights issue. It is a moral and spiritual issue. And God says that homosexuality is not acceptable in his sight. And therefore, a, a, a so-called marriage, which is never can, can exist anyway, but a so-called marriage between two people of the same gender is never acceptable to God. You can never redefine marriage. That's our first obligation. Now with regard to race, we have to love people because God loves them. You know, look, I'm, I'm a black man, but, and, and you're a white guy. God made you just like he made me. He loves you just like he loves me. How dare I make a distinction and say, well, I, you know, I don't really like uh, chaps because after all, he's white. And, and then I'm gonna claim to be a Christian too? I mean, God made all of us. He loves all of us. We're supposed to do the same thing. Uh, and I just thank God that there are many Christians waking up to this, even in the black community where race has been so predominant in their thinking, they're waking up, they're getting a new revelation to recognize when you get to heaven without this physical body, you think there's gonna be a white section of heaven and a black section of heaven, and a Hispanic section of heaven and an Asian section? No, we're all one body in Jesus Christ. You're absolutely right. One of uh, Dylan Roof's
1: reported motives, he allegedly said that he wanted to start a race war in America because there weren't enough whites killing blacks, I guess. So actually the opposite has now happened. What we've seen in the response around the country and especially, specifically in Charleston is that now reportedly 50,000 people, blacks and whites holding hands together on the bridge where you cross Charleston, blacks and whites worshiping side by side in church, churches around the country, are gathering for interracial reconciliation. Do you think this is gonna have the opposite effect of what the devil intended to divide us? Maybe God can unite us.
2: Absolutely, and you know what it also does? It, it unveils the lie that America hasn't changed. America's a racist country. And you know, we still, it's, there's this systemic racism and everybody's out to get us. Uh, look, it's, it's preposterous. It's simply not true. The American people want so desperately to transcend race, and they're not being permitted to do it because demagogues like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and some members of the NAACP at the national level particularly are so busy trying to keep people locked in that little racial box. But I think the American people want to just look at one another as fellow citizens, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And that's what the outpouring of support and love shows. The American people are ready to transcend this whole racial construct. We just need to get some leaders who agree with the American people as opposed to these demagogues who are trying to keep us locked in that box.
1: Yes, and as further proof that Dylan Roof was not a conservative, we're going to show a picture of him here burning the American flag. Exactly. Uh, It it was reported in his manifesto that he said, "'I hate the sight of the American flag. "'Modern American patriotism is an absolute joke. "'People pretending like they have something to be proud "'while white people are being murdered "'daily in the streets," end quote." So that was, his solution was to go murder black people. He hates America, and I think America, listen, uh, Abraham Lincoln was the leader of the Republican Party to to free the slaves. Martin Luther King Jr. was reportedly a Republican. You were the Republican nominee for Lieutenant Governor in Virginia. Talk about patriotism and then if you would, just lead us in prayer. I think we only have about a minute and a half left. What can we do to pray and heal the, the divide in America?
2: Well, you are so right about this. One of the characteristics of conservatives is that we are unabashedly patriotic. We love our country. We believe it's the greatest nation on Earth. Not perfect, but the greatest nation mankind has ever known. We love it, and we give our lives for the United States of America. So I'm happy to lead us in prayer chaplain because that's what we need more than anything else. That's only the power of God is going to overcome the problems that we have and bring us together uh, as one people. So I'm happy to do that. Shall I lead us in prayer now? Yes, please. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, first of all, we love you and thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, that we might have a right to the tree of life. We also thank you that you've made us American citizens. We are grateful to be citizens of the greatest nation mankind has ever known. More freedom, more opportunity, more prosperity. And Lord, my ancestors were slaves and yet my dear, my gabriel and eliza's great grandchild has become the nominee for lieutenant governor is experiencing all the best that this nation has to offer lord we want that for everyone would you heal the racial division would you bring us back to the moral foundations that made America the greatest nation on earth would you help us to realize that marriage is what you define it as not what human beings define it as that life is sacred because it doesn't come from us it comes from you would you help us to understand that support for Israel is a moral and even a biblical mandate Would you help us, Lord God, to overcome this rejection of our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence and all of the things that made this nation great. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Our guest is Bishop B.W. Jackson. Share this video. This is going to go viral all over the Internet. God bless you. Visit PrayInJesusName.org. We'll see you next time.